Part two of Myths and Legends of the Mississippi Valley and the Great Lakes by Catherine Berry Judson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Gifts of the Sky God, Chittimaca. Long, long ago, many Indians started to reach the sky world. They walked far to the north until they came to the edge of the sky, where it is fitted down over the earth plain. When they came to this place, they tried to slip through a crack under the edge, but the sky cover came down very tightly and quickly, and crushed all but six. These six had slipped through into the skyland. Then these men began to climb up, walking far over the sky floor. At last they came to the lodge of Kutnakan. They stayed with him as his guests. At last they wished to go back to their own lodges on the earth plain. Kutnakan said, how will you go down to the earth plain? One said, I will go down as a squirrel. So he started to spring down from the skyland. He was dashed to pieces. Kutnakan said to the next, How will you go down to the earth plain? And this man also went as an animal, and so the next one also. They were dashed to pieces. Then the others saw that they were crushed by their fall. Therefore the fourth said, I will go down as a spider and he spun a long line down which he climbed safely to earth. The fifth said, I will go down as an eagle, and he spread his wings and circled through the air until he alighted on a tree branch. The last one said, I will go down as a pigeon, and so he came softly to earth. Now each one brought back a gift from Kutnakan. The one who came back as a spider had learned how to howl and sing and dance when people were sick. He was the first medicine man. But one Indian had died while these six men were up in the skyland. He died before the shaman came down to earth as a spider. Therefore death came among the Indians. Had the shaman come back to earth in time to heal this Indian, there would have been no death. The one who came back as an eagle taught men how to fish, and the pigeon taught the Indians the use of wild maize. Mondaman Ojibwa. When the springtime came, long, long ago, an Indian boy began his fast according to the customs of his tribe. His father was a very good man, but he was not a good hunter, and often there was no food in the wigwam. So, as the boy wandered from his small teepee in the forest, he thought about these things. He looked at the plants and shrubs, and wondered about their uses, and whether they were good for food. He thought, I must find out about these things in my vision. One day, as he lay stretched upon his bed of robes in the solitary wigwam, a handsome Indian youth came down from Skyland. He was gaily dressed in robes of green and yellow, with the plume of waving feathers in his hands. I am sent to you, said the stranger, by the great mystery. He will teach you what you would know. Then he told the boy to rise and wrestle with him. The boy at once did so. At last the visitor said, That is enough. I will come tomorrow. The next day the beautiful stranger came again from the skyland, and again the two wrestled until the stranger said, That is enough. I will come tomorrow. The third day he came again. Again the fasting youth found his strength increased as he wrestled with the visitor. Then that one said, It is enough. You have conquered. He sat himself down in the wigwam. The great mystery has granted your wish, he said. Tomorrow when I come, after we have wrestled and you have thrown me down, you must strip off my garments. 
clear the earth of roots and weeds and bury my body then leave this place but come often and keep the earth soft and pull up the weeds let no grass or weeds grow on my grave then he went away but first he said touch no food until after we wrestle tomorrow the next morning the father brought food to his son it was the seventh day of fasting but the boy refused until the evening should come again came the handsome youth from the skyland they wrestled long until he fell to the earth then the indian boy took off the green and yellow robes and buried his friend in soft fresh earth thus the vision had come to him then the boy returned to his father's lodge for his fasting was ended yet he remembered the commands of the skyland stranger often he visited the grave keeping it soft and fresh pulling up weeds and grass and when people were saying that the summer maker would soon go away and the winter maker come the boy went with his father to the place where his wigwam had stood in the forest while he fasted there they found a tall and graceful plant with bright silky hair and green and yellow robes it is mondaman said the boy it is mondaman the corn footnote then nokomis the old woman spake and said to minnehaha tis the moon when leaves are falling all the wild rice has been gathered and the maize is ripe and ready let us gather in the harvest let us wrestle with mondaman strip him of his plumes and tassels of his garments green and yellow hiawatha and footnote mondaman ottawa when the ottawas lived on the manatolin islands in lake huron they had a very strong medicine man his name was maswawenini living statue then the iroquois came and drove the ottawas away they fled to lac court oreilla between lake superior and the mississippi river but living statue remained in the land of his people he remained to watch the iroquois so that his people might know of their plans his two sons stayed with him at night the medicine man paddled softly around the island in his canoe he paddled through the water around the beautiful green island of his people one morning he rose early to go hunting his two boys were asleep so living statue followed the game trail through the forest then he came to a wide green plain he watched keenly for the enemy of his people and then he began to cross the plain when living statue was in the middle of the plain he saw a small man coming towards him he wore a red plume in his hair where are you going asked the red plume i am hunting said living statue red plume drew out his pipe and they smoked together where does your strength come from asked red plume i have the strength common to all men said living statue we must wrestle said red plume if you can make me fall you will cry i have thrown you wagamena now when they had finished smoking they began to wrestle they struggled long red plume was small but his medicine was strong living statue grew weaker and weaker but at last by a sudden effort he threw red plume at once he cried i have thrown you wagamena immediately red plume vanished when living statue looked at the place where he had fallen he saw only mondaman an ear of corn it was crooked there was a red tassel at the top someone said take off my robes pull me in pieces throw me over the plain 
take the spine on which I grow, and throw it in shady places near the edge of the wood. Return after one moon. Tell no one. Maswawanini did as the voice directed. Then he returned into the woods. He killed a deer, and so he returned to his wigwam. Now, after one moon, he returned to the plain. Behold, there were blades and spikes of young corn, and from the broken bits of spine grew long pumpkin vines. When summer was gone, living statue went again to the plain with his sons. The corn was in full ear. Also, the large pumpkin were ripe. Thus the Ottawas received the gift of corn. The Corn Woman, Cherokee One day a hunter could find no game. He had but a few grains of corn with him. He was very hungry. In the night a dream came to him, and he heard the sound of singing. Early the next morning the hunter rose, but again he found no game. When he slept again, the dream came to him, and again came the sound of singing, but this time it was nearer. Yet again he could find no game. The third night the dream came to the hunter, and when he awoke, he still heard the song. Then he rose quickly and followed the song. At last he came to a single green stalk of selyu. The stalk spoke to him, and it said, Take off my roots, and take them with you to your wigwam. Tomorrow morning you must chew them before anyone awakes. Then go again into the woods, so will you always be successful in hunting. The green stalk gave him many directions for hunting the elk and the deer. So it talked until the sun rose to the very top of the sky trail. Immediately the green stalk became a woman. She rose gracefully into the air and vanished. Then all the people knew that the hunter had seen Selyu, the corn, wife of Kanati. Therefore the hunter was always successful. Discovery of the Wild Rice, Ojibwa Long ago, Winneboho made his home with his grandmother, Nokomis. One day, Nokomis said to her grandson, Prove yourself a man, take a long journey, go through the great forest, fast you, prepare for the hardships of life. Winneboho took his bow and arrow from his wigwam. He wandered out into the forest. Many days he wandered. Then, at last, he reached a broad lake, covered thick with heavy-headed stalks, but Winneboho knew not that the grain was food. So Winneboho went back to his grandmother, Nokomis. He told her of the broad, quiet lake with the heavy-headed stalks. So Nokomis came, and in their canoe they gathered the wild rice, and sowed it in another lake. Again Winneboho left Nokomis. With his bow and arrow he wandered far into the forest. Then some little bushes spoke as he walked. Sometimes they eat us, they said. Winneboho made no answer. Again the bushes spoke. Sometimes they eat us. Who are you talking to? he asked. To Winneboho, they said. So he bent down and dug up the bushes by the roots. The roots were long, like an arrow. They were good to eat, but Winneboho had fasted too long. After a while, Winneboho wandered on. He was very hungry. Many bushes spoke to him. Many said, sometimes they eat us, but he made no answer. One day he followed the river trail when the sun was high. Many little bunches of straw were growing out of the water. They spoke to him, and they said, Winneboho, sometimes they eat us. So Winneboho picked some of the grains from the heavy-headed stalks and ate. You are good to eat, he said. What do they call you? They call us Manamin, answered the wild rice. 
Then Winneboho waded far out into the water. He beat out grains and ate many, and they were good for food. Then Winneboho remembered the grain which Nokomis had sown, and he returned to his grandmother and the Manamin Lake. Origin of Wild Rice, Ojibwa Now one evening when Eboho returned to his wigwam from hunting, he had found no game. As he came towards his fire, he saw a duck sitting on the edge of a kettle of boiling water, and immediately the duck flew away. When Eboho looked in the kettle, behold, grains were floating upon the water. Then he ate the broth made with the grains, and it was good. So Winneboho followed the trail of the duck. He came to a lake of Manamin. All the birds and ducks and geese were eating the grain. Therefore Winneboho learned to know Manamin, the wild rice. Origin of Winnebago, Menominee One day Manabush walked along the lake shore. He was tired and hungry. Then he saw, around a sand spit jutting far out into the water, many waterfowl. Now Manabush had with him only a medicine bag. He hung that on a Manabush tree in the brush. He put a roll of bark on his back and returned to the lake shore. He passed slowly by so as not to frighten the birds. Duck and Swan suddenly recognized him and swam quickly away from the shore. One of the Swans called out, "'Oh, Manabush, where are you going?' i am going to have a dance said manabush as you may see i have all my songs with me then he called out to all the birds come to me brothers let us sing and dance at once the birds returned to the shore and walked back upon an open space in the grass manabush took the bundle of bark from his back he placed it on the ground got out his singing sticks and then he said to the birds now all of you dance around me as i drum sing as loudly as you can and keep your eyes closed the first to look will always have red eyes so manabush began to beat time upon his bundle of bark the birds with eyes closed danced around him then manabush began to keep time with one hand as the birds sang loudly with the other he seized a swan by the neck swan gave a loud squawk that's right brothers sing as loudly as you can shouted manabush Soon he seized another swan by the neck, then he seized a goose. At last there were not so many birds singing. Then a tiny duck opened his eyes to see why. At once he shrieked, Manabush is killing us! Manabush is killing us! And he started for the water, followed by the rest of the birds. Now this little duck was a poor runner. Manabush quickly caught him and said, I won't kill you, but you shall always have red eyes, and you shall be the laughing stock of all the birds. And with that, Manabush pushed him so hard, yet holding on to his tail, that the duck went far out into the middle of the lake, and his tail came off. Because of that, he has red eyes and no tail, even to this day. Then Manabush gathered up the birds he had killed and took them out on the sand spit. He buried them in the sand and built a fire over them to cook them, but he left sticking out the heads of some and the legs of others so he would know where they were. But Manabush was tired. He slapped his thigh and said, You watch the birds and waken me if anyone comes near them. He stretched out on the sand with his back to the fire and went to sleep. After a while, Indians came along in their canoes. They saw the fire and the roasting birds. They went ashore on the sand spit. They pulled out the birds and ate them. 
but they put back into the sand the heads and feet, just as they had found them, so they departed. Afterwards Manabush awoke very hungry. He pulled at the head of a swan. Behold, the head came out, but there was no bird. He pulled at the feet of a goose. No bird was there. So he tried every head and foot, but the birds were gone. He slapped his thigh again and asked, Who has been here? Someone has robbed me of my feast. I told you to watch. His thigh answered, I fell asleep also. I was very tired. See, there are people moving away in their canoes. They are dirty and poorly dressed. Then Manabush ran to the point of the sand spit. He could see the people who were just disappearing around a point. He shouted, Winnebago, Winnebago. Therefore the Menominee have always called their thievish neighbors Winnebago. The Origin of Tobacco, Menominee One day when Manabush was passing by a high mountain, a fragrant odor came to him from a crevice in the cliffs. He went closer. Then he knew that in the mountain was a giant who was the keeper of the tobacco. He entered the mouth of a cave, going through a long tunnel to the center of the mountain. There, in a great wigwam, was the giant, and the giant said sternly, "'What do you want?' Manabush said, "'I want some tobacco.' "'Come back again in one year,' said the giant. "'The Manidos have just been here for their smoke. They come but once a year.' Manabush looked around. He saw a great number of bags filled with tobacco. He seized one and ran out into the open air, and close after him came the giant. Up to the mountain tops fled Manabush, leaping from peak to peak. The giant came close behind him, springing with great bounds. When Manabush reached a very high peak, he suddenly lay flat on the ground, but the giant, leaping, went over him and fell into the chasm beyond. The giant picked himself up and began to climb up the face of the cliff. He almost reached the top, hanging to it by his hands. Manabush seized him and drew him upwards and dropped him down on the ground. He said, For your meanness you shall become Kakuini, the jumper. You shall become the pest of those who raise tobacco. Thus the giant became a grasshopper. Then Manabush took the tobacco and divided it amongst his brothers, giving to each some of the seed. Therefore the Indians are never without tobacco. Origin of Maple Sugar Menominee. One day Manabush returned from the hunt without any food. He could find no game at all, so Nokomis gathered all their robes and the beaded belts and their belongings together. They built a new wigwam among the sugar maple trees. Nokomis said, Grandson, go into the woods and gather for me pieces of birch bark. I'm going to make sugar. Manabush went into the woods. He gathered strips of birch bark, which he took back to the wigwam. Nokomis had cut tiny strips of the bark to use as thread in sewing the bark into hollow buckets. Then Nokomis went from tree to tree, cutting small holes through the maple bark, so that the sap might flow. She placed a birch bark vessel under each hole. Manabush followed her from tree to tree, looking for the sap to drop. None fell. When Nokomis had finished, Manabush found all the vessels half full. He stuck his finger into the thick syrup. It was sweet. And then he said, Grandmother, this is all very good, but it will not do. If people make sugar so easily, they will not have to work at all. I will change all this. They must cut wood and keep the sap boiling several nights. Otherwise, they will not be busy. 
So Manabush climbed to the very top of a tree. He showered water all over the maples like rain. Therefore the sugar in the tree dissolved and flows from the tree as thin sap. This is why the uncles of Manabush and their children always have to work hard when they want to make sugar. Manabush and the Moose Menominee Manabush killed a moose. He was very hungry, but he was greatly troubled as to how he should eat it. If I begin at the head, he said, they will say I ate him head first. But if I begin at the side, they will say I ate him sideways. And if I begin at the tail, they will say I ate him tail first. He was greatly troubled, and while he thus spoke, the wind blew two tree branches together. It made a harsh creaking sound. I cannot eat in this noise, said Manabush, and he climbed the tree. Immediately the branches caught him by the arm and held him. Then a pack of wolves came and ate up the moose. Origin of Day and Night Menominee One day, as Wabus the rabbit traveled through a forest, he came to a clearing on the bank of the river. There sat Totoba, the Sawit owl. The light was dim, and rabbit could not see well. He said to Sawit, Why do you want it so dark? I do not like it. I will cause it to be light. Sawit said, Do so if you are strong enough. Let us try our powers. So Rabbit and the Owl called a great council of the birds. Some of the birds and animals wanted Rabbit to succeed so that it would be light. Others wanted it to remain dark. Rabbit and Owl began to try their powers. Rabbit began to repeat rapidly, Wabin, 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 light, 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 while Owl kept saying as rapidly as he could, Unitipaquat, 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 night, night, night. If one of them should speak the word of the other, he would lose. So Rabbit kept repeating rapidly, Wabin, 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 while Owl said as rapidly as he could, Unitipaquat, 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 and at last Owl said Rabbit's word, Waban so he lost. Therefore Rabbit decided there should be light, but because some of the animals and birds could hunt only in the dark, he said it should be night part of the time, but all the rest of the time it was day. Origin of the Bear, Cherokee Long ago, before the white man came, in the land of the Cherokees was a clan called the Anisagulin. One of the boys of the clan used to wander all day long in the mountains. He never ate his food at home. "'Why do you do so?' asked his father and mother. The boy did not answer. "'Why do you do so?' they asked many days, as the boy wandered away into the hills. He did not answer them. Then his mother saw that long brown hair covered his body. They said again, "'Where do you go?' They asked, "'Why do you not eat at home?' At last the boy said, "'There is plenty to eat there. It is better than the corn in the village.' Soon I shall stay in the woods all the time. His father and mother said, No! The boy kept saying, It is better than here. I am beginning to be different. Soon I shall not want to live here. If you come with me, you will not have to hunt or to plant corn. But first you must fast seven days. The people began to talk about it. They said, Often we do not have enough to eat here. There, he says, there is plenty. We will go with him. So they fasted seven days, then they left their village and went to the mountains. Now the other tribes had heard what they had talked in their village, 
At once they sent messengers, but when the messengers met them, they had started towards the mountains, and their hair was long and brown. Their nature was changing. This was because they had fasted seven days. But the Anisatgulen would not go back to their village. They said to the others, We are going where there is always plenty to eat. Hereafter we shall be called Yana, bears. When you are hungry, come into the woods and call us, and we will give you food to eat. So they taught these messengers how to call them and to hunt them, because even though they may seem to be killed, the Anisagulen live forever. Origin of the word Chicago, Ojibwa Once an Ottawa hunter and his wife lived on the shores of Lake Michigan. Then the hunter went south, toward the end of the lake, to hunt. When he reached the lake, where he had caught beaver the year before, it was still covered with ice. Then he tapped the ice to find the thinner places where the beaver families lived. He broke holes in the weaker points in the ice and went to his wigwam to get his traps. Now the hunter's wife chanced to pass one of these holes, and she saw a beaver on the ice. She caught it by the tail and called to the hunter to come and kill it quickly before it could get back into the water. No, said the hunter, if I kill this beaver, the others will become frightened. They will escape from the lake by other openings in the ice. Then the woman became angry, and they quarreled. When the sun was near setting, the hunter went out on the ice again to set more traps. When he returned to his teepee, his wife had gone. He thought she had gone to make a visit. The next morning she had not returned, and he saw her footprints. So he followed her trail to the south. As he followed her trail, he saw that the footprints gradually changed. At last they became the trail of a skunk. The trail ended in a marsh, and many skunks were in that marsh. Then he returned to his people, and they called the place the Place of the Skunk. Origin of the word Chicago, Menominee Footnote Schoolcraft gives the origin of the word Chicago as follows. Chicago the animal of the leek or wild onion, Chicago wounds, the wild leek or polecat plant, Chicago, place of the wild leek. It would really seem from the myths and the origin of the word, as given above, that the name originated from the great amount of skunk weed on the marshes now covered by the city. End footnote. Potawatomi Indians used to live in the marshes where Chicago now stands. They sent out word to the other tribes that hunting was good. Then the Menominee Indians went to the marshes for game. In the night their dogs barked much, but when the Menominee Indians reached the spot where the dogs barked, they found only skunks. The Coming of Manabush Menominee when the daughter of Nokomis the earth died, Nokomis wrapped her new baby in soft, dry grass. She laid her on the ground under a large wooden bowl. Then she mourned four days for her daughter. At the end of four days, Nokomis heard a sound in her wigwam. It came from the wooden bowl. Then she remembered. She took up the bowl. At once she saw a tiny white rabbit with trembling pink ears. She took it up. She said, Oh, my dear little rabbit, oh, my manabush! She took care of him. One day, rabbit hopped across the wigwam. The earth shook. At once, the evil underground spirits, the Anamakwi, said to one another, What has happened? A great manido is born somewhere. Immediately, they began to plot against him. 
In this way Manabush came to earth. He soon grew to be a young man. The Story of Manabush, Menominee The daughter of Nokomis, the earth, is the mother of Manabush, who is also the fire. Flint first grew up out of Nokomis and was alone. Then Flint made a bowl and filled it with earth. Wabus the rabbit came from the earth and became a man. Thus was Manabush created. Beneath the earth lived the underground people, the enemies of Manabush. They were the Anamakwi, who annoyed him constantly and sought to destroy him. Now Manabush shaped a piece of flint to make an axe. While he was rubbing it on a rock, he heard the rock make sounds. Kika, 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 kos, 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 kos. He soon understood what the rock was saying, that he was alone on the earth that he had neither father, mother, brother, nor sister. This is what Flint said while Manabush was rubbing it upon the rock. While he was thinking of this, he heard something coming. It was Makwai, the wolf. He said to Manabush, Now you have a brother, for I too am alone. We shall live together, and I will hunt for you. Manabush said, I am glad to see you, my brother. Therefore I shall make you like myself. So he made him a man. Then Manabush and his brother moved away to the shore of a lake, and there built a wigwam. Manabush told his brother of the evil spirits, the underground people, who lived beneath the water. He said, Never go into the water, and never cross on the ice. Now one day Wolf Brother went a-hunting. It was late when he started back. He found himself on the shore of the lake, just opposite the wigwam. He could see it clearly. He did not want to make a long journey around by the lake shore. Therefore he began to cross on the ice. When he reached the middle of the lake, the ice broke. The underground people pulled him under the water, and he was drowned. Now Manabush knew this. He mourned four days for Wolf Brother. On the fifth day, while he was following the hunting trail, he saw him approaching. Wolf Brother said, my fate will be the fate of all our people. They will all die, but after four days they will return. Then Manabush saw it was only the shade of his brother. Then he said, My brother, return to the place of the setting sun. You are now called Nakpot. You will have charge of the dead. The wolf shade said, If I go there and others follow me, we shall not be able to return when we leave this place. Manabush again spoke. He said, Go, Nakpot, prepare a wigwam for others. Build a large fire that they may be guided to it. When they arrive, there must be a wigwam for them. Thus Nakpot left the earth. He lives in the land of the shades, in the country of the setting sun, where the earth is cut off. End of Part 2